And today, I put on my mom hat. As the last episode of Gender and More, Seth Day of Radchild Podcast is going to help us talk through how to talk to kids about gender and more, including how to say, I don't know, how to create spaces for whoever your child is, and a tangent about Seth in a dinosaur costume. In the end, it's about loving and supporting the kids in your life, trusting and believing the kids in your life, and affirming the feelings of the kids in your life. Books and resources from all episodes are linked in the show notes at balancingcultures.com. Let's go ahead and start the conversation. This is Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchen. Okay, now I am going to selfishly use our interview time for my own personal growth as a parent. (laughs) Because you are the perfect person for this. Your podcast is all about difficult or what we perceive to be difficult conversations with kids. You are also a nanny and an educator. And lastly, for this particular topic, you are speaking from your lived experience as a trans person. So thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just a few questions. We're going to do this kind of, it's like a mini version of one of your shows in a way. (laughs) Seth Day is the host of, it's called Rad Child Podcast. Yep, you got it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Three words. It was really hard to remember. (laughs) (laughs) And the premise of your podcast is to talk about these, what we perceive to be difficult conversations, right? Yeah. And then you've got guests that come on and and talk through things. So we're going to do just a you and me version of this. (laughs) When kids ask us difficult questions and we don't have the answers, what are your best, quote unquote, I have no clue responses to buy time? All right. Back to the flow chart. No, I'm kidding. Um, but not kind of. Uh, so I feel like for me, the first step is, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot on Rad Child Podcast is to kind of answer a question with a question. So the first thing I usually respond with is like, what do you already know about that? Or what do you want to know about that? Right? Because this way you make sure you're answering the right question and also giving them the information they're looking for. There's, there's this anecdote that I feel like I've shared so many times on my podcast. I'm sure my listeners are tired of it, but this isn't my podcast. So haha. Um, ha. <laughs> uh, basically, one time there, we were, we were talking about this on the episode about how to talk to kids about sex. And one time there was a kid who, uh, you know, asked their father what sex was. And the father went to this whole detailed explanation about sex and when he finished the kid said okay because mom says dinner will be done in five sacks right (laughs) and so like you know we want to make sure we're answering the right question and we know what's being asked and like I have handfuls of anecdotes for some reason they're all about sex um but (laughs) like like this where you know people there was another time where a kid asked what a vibrator was first of all they were in the grocery store and like the parent was like very hushedly trying to like explain they meant a pager like back in the day. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like, we want to make sure we're giving them the information that they're actually looking for. And also, you know, knowing, understanding what they already know about it. Right. And so when, as far as like not having the answer, I think honesty is just the best policy, right? Like there's an amazing amount of vulnerability with just admitting, like, I don't know. And I think it's important for kids to know that adults don't have the answers to everything. Mm. So just saying like, I don't know, I think is enough. And depending on the question, right, you could even research the answer together, which I think could be a great bonding experience if it's a Googleable question. And I also think it's really valid to say like, I don't know, let me think about that and get back to you, um, which gives you time to like gather your thoughts and also shows the kid in your life that like, 
their questions are important to you. And as far as like guidelines for answering questions in general, I think just like honest age appropriate answers are like the key. So make sure to give the kid the information they're looking for and not too much, not too little, uh, which is, you know, comes with a part of asking them what they already know. Uh, and also I genuinely like for me, I have this philosophy I genuinely believe that there's not any topic that can't be answered in an age-appropriate way. And so I feel like just, again, that age-appropriate answer and honesty is just like the sort of key to answering those kinds of questions. And also, like I said, if you don't know the answer or if you're like, uh, uh, and you don't want to give like a weird, bad answer, just be like, you know what? I need some time to think about that and I'll get back to you. That's a great response. Totally valid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I consider it like even when my son will ask me something about science that I don't know yeah. or I don't have the right words, I'll say, hey, I bet we have a book about that. Yeah. Let's go find that. Or you could Google it. Like one time I, the kid I was, he's in the bath and he just looks up at me and he's like, do starfish walk? And I was like, I have no idea. Let's let's find a video. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> do starfish walk? Like, I love it. No idea. Um, but I think it's, you know, especially when it's those kinds of questions, I think it's also like a great bonding experience to just be like, let's let's watch a video. Let's read a book. Let's find out about it. So, okay, with starfish, that's pretty <laughs> black and white. Do they walk? That one's an easy one. But I feel, especially as my son is getting older and he's asking questions, only at three, almost four years old, I'm already wondering how to answer things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm questioning as I, one of the things I'm questioning as I'm answering is whether or not I'm putting my values onto the answer or speaking from a particular Mm -hmm. cultural viewpoint. And if I, if that's a negative thing, and if there's a way that I could say things differently to avoid that. So what am I trying to ask you? Hmm. <laughs> Is that okay? Is it okay to speak from a particular cultural viewpoint or value system? Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the context, right? Like as parents, of course, we want to sort of be injecting our values into the questions we're answering. But I also think it's important to include other perspectives. So like, for example, if a kid asks, you know, what happens when we die, right? Big question. I might say some people believe this and some people believe that. Here's what I think, right? Mm. Then I would follow up with like, what do you think happens, right? After sort of giving them all the information. Uh, And I, I kind of, I try to personally refrain from saying things like, well, in our house, we believe this, like telling the kid what they believe. Yeah. I feel like it's important to let kids come to their own conclusions about stuff like that. And I feel like we can help guide them by sharing our beliefs, like I mentioned, but I'm not, I'm not into like forcing beliefs on kids. And that's, I guess, a personal value of mine. Um, But uh, on the other hand, though, I think in an educational setting, for example, you'd want to stick to the facts. So like if a kid asks the same question, you know, what happens when we die, I would probably just give them the first part of that answer and not include my own personal beliefs. I'd probably just say like some people believe this and some people believe that, right? Yeah. But I think I think it sort of depends on the context. And it can be harder when you're in an educational setting. Um, sometimes also depending on the question, it might not be appropriate to answer. And so I think I think it can get a little tricky in those kinds of situations. For you personally, you've been a nanny to many different families. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get stuck in a situation where they ask you a question and you think, huh, I don't know what this family's 
cultural viewpoint is or value system is. I don't know how to answer this. Yeah, definitely. I can think of one particular time when I was with a four-year-old and he still needed help going to the bathroom. So I was in the bathroom with him. And as many young children are very into his penis, always wanted to talk about it. And uh, he asked me if I had one and I was like, no, I don't. Um, And then I told him, you know, some boys can have penises or vulvas, girls can have penises or vulvas, you know, you can identify as neither of those things, right? But like, it doesn't, that's not, you know, important about your gender. And he was like, okay, so you're a boy and you have a vulva. And I was like, yeah. And like once in a while, he would just like check in about it. Like we'd be playing and he'd be like, so you're a boy. We have a vulva. And I'd be like, uh-huh. And he'd be like, okay. Um, but he'd be, but after that, he was just like, can we go back to playing with trains? And I'm like, sure. You know, he could care less. But, you know, I got a little nervous because like that felt like the most authentic answer to me. But I had just started working for this family. And like, I I kind of could tell that they were like, a little bit, you know, at least a little woke because like when I first went on an interview and play, you know, I was playing with him a little bit, he had nail polish on and I was like, okay, so they're not like, you know, totally that, you know, there's a little something there. But I, when I, I told the parents and they were like, I was like, just in case he's like, Seth has this genitalia, that's why he's saying it. <laughs> right. Because that could go badly. And they were like, oh, totally. And they were fine with it. And I generally speaking, you know, I sort of try to, again, type A person, I try to pre- try to prepare for situations. So for example, when I'm uh, changing a child's diaper, I will often narrate what I'm doing. I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to touch here. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that, right? Putting on your diaper, whatever. And so I talk to parents about what language they're comfortable using for body parts, right? I personally think it's important to use the like you know, correct terminology as far as like I use vulva, I say penis. But if parents are like really against that, like I I don't want to be the one who teaches their kid a word that they don't like, right? So I try to sort of get ahead of the curve and ask them questions about is it okay? Or like, for example, I usually I do like a theme every week with the kids I nanny and around around December, I try to do like Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, one week Hanukkah, one week Kwanzaa, one week uh, Christmas, and then uh, one week sometimes earlier. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm thinking of Diwali at that's in October. So I don't know what else I usually do. But at any rate, I do a different uh, different holiday for each week. And we sort of celebrate winter holidays. And I always ask parents, I'm like, hey, I know, like, I know that these aren't holidays you practice. Like, are you okay with me, you know, teaching a little bit about not the history behind them, but like how they're practiced, right? Like how they're celebrated. And, you know, so I try to just talk to the parents and see where they're at, um, and kind of get a feel for that. So that when kids do field, field me questions, I sort of know, you know, what I can and can't answer. Um, but most of the time I just yeah. try to be factual about it. You know what I mean? And then keep the parents informed that like, Hey, they asked about this, you know? Oh, questions my kids are going to come up with. <laughs> I can already see it. Cause I'm also, you know, well, I see penis and vagina and I'm not woke enough to know is vulva the more correct term. So it depends on what you're talking about. The vulva is the whole thing. The vagina is the whole, but typically or in the past, I don't even know. People would say penis and vagina, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is vulva the new, even though it's always been the general term, is it the woke term? Yeah, we're we're trying to, in general, people are trying to shift, or at least in my experience, people are trying to shift to vulva because because people, uh, a lot of people don't understand that the vagina is just the whole, they think it's the whole thing. And the vulva is really the whole, you know, including the labia and all that other good stuff. 
so yeah, we're, a lot of people are trying to shift to vulva because I think people get the okay. words. There's actually a really good episode of Orange is the New Black where Laverne Cox's character, who's a trans woman, explains like when she draws the diagram yes yes <laughs> because and it's it's funny but a lot of people honestly don't know the difference or they didn't know you know like some of the the women didn't know that like your pee comes from a different place that it's not doesn't come yeah. from vagina, right like one character gets a mirror out i remember yes. <laughs> there's a lot going on there but anyway yeah. <laughs> anyways anyways okay good um, that was a little side i'm yes. learning so much <laughs> Okay, so then specific to your lived experience and what we talked about in our other questions about gender, mm-hmm. when I'm teaching my kids, should I feel guilty about teaching gender and identifying boys and girls in books or correcting my kids if they use the wrong pronouns for someone? I would say try to, like we were talking about earlier, like try to refrain from gendering people or characters in books if you don't know how they identify, right? So when I see a kid on the playground, I simply say like, hey, look at that kid. They have a cool shirt, right? Um, Since, Mm -hmm. you know, since we know that gender identity, again, and gender expression don't always match. So even if I'm looking at someone and perceiving that they're maybe a girl, like I have no idea. I have no way of knowing that, right? So I try to just teach my kids not to assume someone's pronouns or genders based on the way they look. And another way I do this is not by gendering kids in picture books until the book genders them, right? So if the book is like, this character's a boy, great. Like I'll use he, him pronouns. Um, But if the book doesn't gender a character, I won't, again, I'll be like, you know, if there's someone in the background, for example, wearing a dress, you know, I won't assume they're a girl. I'll say, you know, look at that kid in a dress uh, or whatever. I generally don't think there's any like benefit to teaching kids that like, this is what a girl looks like, or this is what a boy looks like, you know, and the same thing for like mommies and daddies, like, right. Like people all look different. Um, there could be a mommy with short hair, right? So I think teaching yeah. kids that like, oh, people with short hair are daddies is like wrong. I mean, not like value wrong, but it's just like, it's not true. <laughs> you know, like people yeah. with, I, I have no daddies who have long, even cis people who are like a daddy with long hair and a mommy with short hair, right? Like, yeah. So as far as that goes, like, I don't know that there's any benefit to it. Also, like, I think it's really, and this is something we talk a lot about on Rad Child Podcast is like making sure there's gender diversity in the books and media and and people in your kid's life, right? Like, I will talk about some examples later, but, you know, make sure that your kids know that trans people exist, right? Like one of the most common things that you'll hear from trans folks, you know, like me who came out later in life is like, we didn't even know trans was a thing. You know, we didn't mm. have those kids books back in the day. Right. And I think it comes from a lack of representation, you know, when I was a kid. And also as you're reading books, like you can pause and point out kids expressing themselves in various ways or families that look different than yours. Right. And that can go in a lot of different directions rather than, you know, as opposed to gender as well. And I, I think, you know, for race and disability and things like that too, you can point out and be like, Hey, look, that person is a wheelchair user. That's really cool. Um, or whatever. And I think representation is a great way to, you know, open up those kinds of conversations. Yeah. As far as like correcting pronoun usage, like you were talking about, you know, if you know someone uses a certain set of pronouns and your kid's using the wrong pronouns, like, of course, correct them. Uh, But generally, like I was saying earlier, like I just sort of teach kids not to assume anyone's pronouns based on how they look. So I usually just sort of default till they, them until I know someone's pronouns. And like a lot of times people will ask me, well, you know, it's kind of, it feels awkward to ask for someone's pronouns, like some other ways to, you know, uh, get someone's pronouns or like, if you're in a group setting, wait till someone else says them. Uh, and then you can just pick up on that clue. If you feel a little shy to ask someone's pronouns, right? That's what I often do. Or you can offer your pronouns, um, when you're introducing yourself to someone and that will clue them in. And if they say, Oh, what is, what is that? Then you can explain it to them. Uh, and that's a good opportunity to be a good ally and educate. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I was about to, I self-corrected in my own head. I was about to ask, oh, what if you're in a, a room full of cisgender people? Um, <laughs> is it worth saying so? And I was like, you don't know, exactly. Megan. And, <laughs> and it just is worth, again, being a good ally to educate and normalize, give, offering your pronouns, asking for pronouns. Because, you know, it's not, again, like you, you don't know who's trans and who's not trans. And like we talked about when we were going over vocabulary, it's not just trans people who may want different pronouns. No. And I mean, everybody uses pronouns. Well, that's not true. Some people don't. So I, I have a friend, for example, who like their name is Rowan and Rowan just goes by Rowan. So instead of saying he, like you just use Rowan's name. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I see, I, I uh, redact that. <laughs> that would take some practice, but yeah. Yeah. So. But it's moments like that where Rowan... Mm-hmm. says this is this is my policy here's how i'm going to live my life and you go yeah why why not yeah like, wait okay i think that works <laughs> <laughs> another question another mom question i have <laughs> what ways may a child communicate that they are questioning their identity maybe they don't know that's what they're doing but you know yeah i'm just gonna leave that question out there yeah, so I think kids are generally pretty good at speaking their minds. <laughs> like some <laughs> kids will just straight up be like, hey, I'm a boy, um, you know, or however they identify, whatever. And I've also heard stories, another sort of like common story that you hear with kids sort of knowing their identities young is like talking about not wanting certain body parts, things like that, uh, or talking about like, you know, wanting to get rid of their genitals or things related to like body dysphoria, which uh, is simply put not feeling at home in your body Mm. and which is a thing that some trans people uh, not all trans people uh, deal with but those are sort of like the more obvious stories that you hear I think there's you know there's definitely also more subtle ways but it just makes me think of this uh, the same four-year-old that we had the conversation about uh, penises and vulvas one time just like put put him down for his nap woke up from his nap and just woke up and was like I'm Gabby and I'm a girl. And I was like, okay, Gabby, what pronouns do you want me to use? And she was like, she, her. And I was like, okay. And for a week went by Gabby and she, her, and then was like, never mind, I'm Timothy again. And like, <laughs> it was fine. And like, whether that was Timothy exploring like g- gender or Timothy playing a game or whatever, like now he knows, right, that like he's loved and supported no matter what. If he does decide he wants to be Gabby, great. Like, no one's going to bat an eye, right? And so I think just, like loving and respecting kids is like the most sort of baseline, most important thing to do. Oh, I also wanted to talk a little bit about like the assumptions grownups make based on their kids' gender expression. So like, yeah, let's talk about it. For example, I hear a lot, like, for example, when an older boy comes out as gay, parents being like, oh, we always knew you were gay because you played with dolls or you had tea parties or whatever. You tried on your mom's dresses. And like, none of those things have anything to do with someone's sexuality, right? Like, like I was saying, my grandpa could wear a dress and he would not be gay. He would not be a woman. He would just be a straight cis man wearing a dress. (laughs) So I think not making assumptions about your kid's identity based on their expression is like something that's important to remember. Yeah. Whether or not my child is showing signs that they're questioning their identity, how can we as parents keep conversations going to keep an open atmosphere for anything that may be? 
Yeah, I think like all the things we were talking about, like having, you know, representation, right? Like honoring your kids, you know, if your kid wakes up from nap and is like, I'm a different gender now, like, okay, great, you know, just go with it. And just uh, go with it. Yeah, I don't think there's really any, any harm to, to that, right? And I don't want to compare, you know, kids questioning their gender to playing a game. But like, when our kid wakes up and, you know, comes in and they're like, I'm a turtle now. Nobody questions that. You know what I mean? We're just like, okay, fine. You're a turtle. Great. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But so, of course, that's very different than questioning your gender. But like, I think that respecting them and honoring those 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 things and the ways they're playing. And if, or, you know, for example, if they want to cut their hair, they want to grow their hair long. Like you were saying, your kid has beautiful long hair. Great. Who cares? It's gorgeous. Get them a hair clip. Keep it out of their face. Um <laughs> You know, it's like, I I just remember I was working for one family. I've worked with three families with twins and one of them, you know, was just like, oh, he's a boy. So we have to cut his hair. And I was like, why? Like, Mm. maybe he wants, you know, he maybe when he's three, he's going to wish he had long hair and it's much harder to grow it back than it is to cut it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think just thinking about these things and listening to our kids and, um, you know, giving them that representation so they know that, that they can, that they're loved and supported no matter what. Right. Yeah. We talked earlier about knowing what are safe spaces. I don't think we said it like that, but what are safe spaces to completely be free in how you express yourself and when you need to maybe rein it in a little bit for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. How do we as parents support our kids if they do want to express themselves freely, but the environment is not as welcoming? I just, so this is in a different direction, but when I, I was always just like a very expressive kid. And when I was in high school and middle school, I liked to wear costumes to school. Like I would just show up to school in a costume and my mother would be like, listen, it's okay if you wear a costume to school, but here's how people might react. And so like, I I think that, you know, allowing your kid, not saying like, no, we don't wear that to school. You know what I mean? But just saying like, hey, you can wear that wherever we're going, right? You can wear your dinosaur costume to the grocery store, but people might think that's, you know, people might react this way. And so you just, are you prepared for people to react that way? Do you have the energy right today to deal with maybe people asking you questions about why you're dressed like a dinosaur? Um, So I think that those, you know, those kinds of things, just making kids aware, not setting hard boundaries, you know, but making kids aware, like, hey, this is what might happen. Is that okay with you? You know? Yeah. I like your dinosaur example (laughs) because that's exactly something my kid will probably do. Yeah. We have a whole costume box. So I, this is my future. I'm an adult and I have a costume closet. So. See, everyone made fun of me because I had a costume box even before I had kids. And I said, well, you never know when someone's going to have a theme party. Yep. (sighs) Good. I'm glad you get me. Let me think. I think I just have a few more things. I'm like getting all my mom questions out (laughs) while I've got you on the line. So what kids books can you recommend so that we do have this exposure to these things? So about gender, pronouns, or identity? So instead of rattling off 18 books, um, I'm going to give you my top picks. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a list on my website and I'm just going to link you. Because I don't think anyone wants to hear me list the 18 books. I mean, someone maybe does, but. I think there's definitely someone listening that wants the whole list. So we will make sure. Yes. You're going to put it on your website and then we'll link to you. Yeah, I'll put it on my website and then we'll just link it. Perfect. It's everything in the show notes. (laughs) Yes. But give me your top picks. 
as sort of like my kind of like starter books, right? There's some really, there's two really good ones that are just sort of general, like what is gender, what's happening. Um, there's a really good one called Who Are You? The Kid's Guide to Gender Identity. And that's by Brooke Pesson Webby. Um, and that is, it's really nice because it's sort of this interactive book where, um, for example, you know, it starts out by saying, you know, when kids are born, right? When a baby is born, people will often, you know, the first thing people will ask is, is it a boy or a girl? But, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. It sort of gets into the difference between everything we've been talking about, right? Gender identity, gender expression. And what I think is interesting too, when it comes to the gender gender expression page, it becomes sort of interactive where it talks about, you know, the things gender expression, right, is like we were talking about is the things that you like and the way you express yourself. And then it has a two page spread, um, well, two different two page spreads. One is like all different clothes and one is all different toys. And it allows the kid to say, it's like, hey, what do you like? Right. And you can point to like, oh, I like the dinosaur. Or I like the butterfly wings, whatever. And so it's it's fun in that way that it's interactive. And it, it uh, honestly, like, I also think it's a great book. Like, if you're an adult and you want just like a basic understanding of this stuff, kids books, kids books are great um, because you don't have to read a hundred page book. You could just read this like nice 20 page book and get your, your, you know, trans one-on-one primer. Um, so that's a good one. And it even, it also has a wheel in the back. That's really cool that you can move around and say like, right, like at birth, I was assigned this, I identify as this, you know, this is what I like. And you can sort of match up and make your own, your own little you <laughs> on the wheel. Aww. Yeah. It's really, it's, It's a really cute book. And then there's another one that's a little bit newer called It Feels Good to Be Yourself. And that's by Teresa Thorne. And um, that one is more of a narrative story, whereas the first one's a little more didactic. It's sort of like, this is this and that is that. Um, This one's a little more narrative and it follows a couple of different characters. And it'll be like, you know, this is Ruthie. Ruthie's a transgender girl. And that's what this means. And this is her brother Xavier. And he's a cisgender boy. And that's what that means. Sorry, I keep gesticulating and hitting my mic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Italian, so I talk with that (laughs) And, you know, so it goes and it talks about like, you know, these two kids are non-binary, but they're non-binary in different ways. So it talks about the one character who's non-binary and talks about the other character who's non-binary in a different way. Right. And so um, it sort of follows all of these, these characters and it's just really beautiful illustrations. So that one's, I would say if I was like reading them in order, I'd read like, who are you first and get your sort of baseline. And then feels good to be yourself as it goes into a little more detail. Um, and then there's another, uh, my last sort of one about gender things is there's another one called neither by Arlie Anderson. And that um, it's a really cute, it's sort of like an an analogy for being non-binary where there's, there's bunnies and there's ducks in the book. It's called there's this or there's that. And then one time, you know, eventually there's uh, a character who's born, who's like both a duck. It's like half duck, half uh, bunny. And, um, and so they're, you know, it's sort of like navigating, you know, not fitting in and not being the same um, as everyone else. And then eventually, you know, they find a place where everybody's different, right? And, uh, but that's, that's a cute sort of easy analogy for being non-binary. And then as far as books about pronouns, there's two really good books by an author um, by the name of Maya Gonzalez, who I would check out. She has a lot of really good books on gender uh, uh, stuff. Um, but there's one called They, She, He, Free to Be. And there's another one called They, She, He, Easy as ABC, which is an ABC pronoun book. I have not had my hands on either of them, but I've heard really good things. Um, and then I also wanted to give a shout out to a couple of toys that are yeah. really great. Um, there's one, I don't know if you've heard about these, the Mattel Creatable World 
dolls. Yes. Yeah, they're super. I actually have one. Uh, I bought one for myself. <laughs> um, but it's they're basically these dolls that come with. So it's like one doll, and then it comes with. It, they have short hair, and then they come with a long hair wig, and then they have clothes that are, you know, some more feminine clothes and some more masculine clothes, and you can just dress them up however they want. So they can quote. You and know, it's. It's about the size of a Barbie or? Yeah. Yeah. They're like yeah. Barbie sized. They're by, yeah. Yeah, they're by Mattel who also makes Barbies. So they're very similar They're I think they're a little more well-made though. I mean, I don't know, maybe they like upped their Barbie game in recent years. I haven't seen like a new Barbie, but like all of the limbs like are like movable. They're like the wrists and the elbows, like you can bend them and they're. You know, that sounds awesome. Yeah. They're really cool. And it's nice. Cause you know, you can, if you want your doll to be a boy or a girl or whoever, you know, whatever you can, you can do that. So I really like those. Then there's um, Maya Gonzalez, that same author also has a game called playing with pronouns. That's like a pronoun matching game that basically, you know, it's just like everybody can look different and have different pronouns. And then there's, I actually found out about this semi recently. I was doing a unit with my kids on families and I was trying to find more like diverse family um, toys. And there's this company called my family builders. And basically their main thing that they sell is that it's like these round blocks like cylindrical blocks and one will be like the feet one is the body and one is the head and you could just like mix and match them um and make all different kinds of families and they also sell them in magnets with the same way it's like the feet the body the head um the torso the head and then they sell them as stickers too um so that's cool. really cool because you can make like you know what i mean you can have someone with pigtails but that has a dinosaur shirt on but then has a skirt or whatever you can just yeah, yeah. make people however however you want them to be and you can also make families right that look however um different uh, you know uh, makeups of families so those are my so my shout outs and then i'll give you my other million recommendations yes. <laughs> later but there's really like there's a lot of really great um books out now uh, you know, and those are a little more like on the nose, but you know, there's some really good ones that, you know, feature trans kids just being trans kids. So this is one of the steps that you said we can do as parents or even educators or people who have kids in our lives to kind of help open up conversations or just leave room for conversations. Mm-hmm. I guess a more explicit question, not just for our personal kids, but kids in general is what what else can we do to support trans kids specifically? Maybe they've already identified themselves or they're already going through processes. Do we call it processes, transition? Yeah. What What can we do to support kids? Let's say one's in my class. Yeah. So I think, I mean, like I was talking about before as a baseline for sort of all kids, love and support them, <laughs> yeah. um, which you would think would be a no brainer, but you know, these kids are getting kicked out of their homes as we speak. So love and support your kids. Um, uh, You know, also, right, if a kid comes to you and expresses that they identify as, you know, a different gender, like trust and believe them. Please don't tell them it's a phase. Um, Even Mm -hmm. if even if it is a phase, like, don't say that. Um, That's not what they right? They want to be affirmed, right? And believed. And I think kids are absolutely smart enough to know themselves, right? I've known kids, I've known kids as young as age three, um, who've come out to their parents you know, that it didn't always necessarily have the the right language, but like, we're able to articulate that, you know, they're really smart. And I think if you're, if you are the parent of a trans kid, right, a few things you can do is invest in a good gender affirming therapist, find, you know, there are lots of online support groups to help navigate your own feelings. So you're not putting those on your kid. Um, I, I know, uh, there's a couple I can also list in the show notes as far as groups, but there's, you know, also finding other trans kids uh, to be, in, you know, for your, in your kid's life and adults too. 
And what else was I thinking? Those are the the kind of things that come to mind. But as far as educators, again, right, make sure you have a variety of diverse books in your classroom. I know there were, I'm on a couple of like book groups on Facebook uh, for diverse kids books. And someone was asking, right, like I have a non-binary kid in my third grade classroom, like what are some good book recommendations so they can feel included? Like taking that extra step, right? Like finding out what are some good books so that I can read a book and the kid in my class can be like, oh, it's funny. I was like thinking back, I, um, I have ADHD and I was diagnosed when I was in the first grade. I was very young. And one of my teachers read this book about a character with ADHD. And now that I'm an educator, I was like, I wonder if she did that for me, right? She wanted like that. Potentially. You know, yeah. Is, like it's possible. Who knows? But um, yeah. and it was like a really affirming, it was called Eagle Eye. And it was actually like a really affirming book about a kid who had ADHD, but like had this ability to really notice things. And I, I was always like that. So I felt like very seen by that book and so you know do, you know going the taking that extra step to make sure that you have that kind of stuff in your classroom doing things like we were talking about before right like pronoun check-ins using gender neutral language i think as an educator um and there's more tips on that list today uh that i'll share but i think those are sort of general good good ways to do that and to make your kids feel seen right yeah completely so you just mentioned the Facebook groups, and that's actually how we met in a great group, mm-hmm. which I'm going to link up, and it's Kids Books for a Better World. Yeah, that's, where I, Seth that's and I probably met. one of my favorite ones out of all of them. And if, Seth, if you have any others, we can link them in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's this group that we've met in, and then others, these forums are a really great place to get resources and support. Yeah. If you're in the right community, an online group can really be a great resource, especially in times like now when we can't meet in person as much. But also it's there's a little bit of a safety there that you can kind of dip your toes into asking questions. So yeah, I I did it and I got to meet Seth and then I got to ask lots of questions. (laughs) So yeah, Seth, do you have anything else closing thoughts before we say goodbye to listeners? Oh, I think I've spoken quite enough. A little bit. (laughs) It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I had so much fun. Thank you so much. And of course, you know, I'll have you back another day. (laughs) Switch for our friends 102. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. The whole series. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for being on Balancing Cultures. Thank you. So I work with kids, right? And people... First question people want to know, is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl, right? So I one time was with this little girl who, I mean, like, she didn't particularly look one way or the other. She was kind of androgynous looking baby, whatever. And she wasn't in a dress or blue. So who knows, right? She was in gender neutral clothes. We were just walking one day. She was in the stroller. And uh, this woman walked up to us and was like, oh, what a cute little princess. And then she sort of walked closer. And she was like, or is it a prince? And I was like, ma'am. This baby is not of noble blood. Like this baby's a commoner, <laughs> peasant, peasant baby. And she was just like, what? Okay, I'm gonna say. Like, I just am so fed up with people asking or like one time I was with this little boy and my general answer would will be when people are like, Oh, is it a boy or a girl? I'm like, it's a baby. And people get so mad. They get so mad if you want to call them. And this one woman literally was like, I'm a grandmother, I can tell it's a boy. And I was like, Okay, do you have x-ray vision? Like, what? you know people just get so weird about it but yeah i'm over over it (laughs) one last big thank you to seth for sharing parts of his story while helping me prepare for what's to come in mine talking to kids can feel 
overwhelming. But with the tips from today's episode and continued support from Radchild Podcast on topics from body image to religion, I feel more prepared. And I feel empowered to say, I don't know. Let's find out together. I will take this into not just motherhood, but life. Because as we said at the beginning of this four-part series on gender and more, we all have to start somewhere. This was Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchens.